The following is meant for information purposes only. Before taking any action on anything being discussed, consult your medical doctor. Welcome to Heart Health with board-certified cardiologist and internal medicine specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefald. Heart Health is a local call-in health show designed to educate and inform you of the most up-to-date information for not only maintaining a healthy heart, but a healthy body. Call us with your health questions at 919-860-9783. This is the radio show where you can get better, stay healthy, and spot medical misinformation. And if you don't spot it, we're going to spot it. This is Heart Health Radio. I'm Dave Alexander. Here is Dr. Franklin Weefald, a cardiologist and internal medicine specialist with Millennia Cardiovascular. Hello. Hello on this rainy day. Yeah, that's all right. Well, if I you're think- listening on the podcast and it's not raining where you are, it's recorded. That's you true. know how that works. Yes, true. The, occasionally we take a day off. We'll rerun this show on a sunny day. And Dr. Franklin Weefault's going to sound like he doesn't know what he's talking well, it's about. It's probably going to be sunny in Hawaii. Yeah. And they're listening in Hawaii. Good. Absolutely. Good. We have a website, which is, of course, named after the radio show, hearthealthradio.com. And, of course, you can find the podcast at wptf.com. We start the show with a, with a couple of couple important things. We're going to talk today about opioids. We're going to talk about an American Idol singer, a former contestant, who says the show is responsible for her drug use. Absolutely, because when I watch that show, I want to get high. <laughs> when, when, I mean, well, the, the point is she said the stress just threw her over the... Now, she says so from behind bars, so she's not le- leading her life quite well but you know you it happens um the top story of the day is that people are diagnosing the president of the united states by watching him on tv yeah can you imagine if a psychiatrist is listening to us right now the <laughs> diagnoses that yeah. he would come up with yep, yep. about us and you know this all started in 1964 when goldwater was running against johnson and okay. It became very political because Johnson represented the emerging liberal wing of the Democratic Party. Yeah. So what happened? All the academics, all the people jumped on the bandwagon, and Goldwater represented a reversion of the uh, Republican Party to deep Reagan-like conservatism. Because before, there was a liberal wing, believe it or not, of the Republican Party that controlled it. It was the Republican establishment. But what did they say about Goldwater? They said he was nuts. Well, there was a um, a Goldwater slogan, and yeah. I'll never forget this. In your heart, you know he's right. No. Yeah, in your heart, you know he's right. Yeah. And so they, the Democrats turned that into, in your guts, you know he's nuts. And so <laughs> the, the tons, I mean many, scores of psychiatrists were on being interviewed on TV saying that he was mentally ill, he was schizophrenic. But he was going to be so mentally ill that when he gets in the White House, they're going to push the button and yeah. blow up the world. And after that, the American Psychiatrist Association or the American Association of Psychiatrists came out with a rule that became known as the Goldwater Rule. And that, and, and it was a great rule. You yeah. can't diagnose somebody and declare a diagnosis unless you've examined them. And that's important. Right. We're going to get back to that. But in the waiting room is Claude. Claude dialed us up at 919-860-9783. Hi, Claude. What's up? Hey, it's nice to talk to a doctor for free for a change. (laughs) 
There's no copay on the show. Well, I tell you, just take some coins, put them in your hand, (laughs) and shake them into the microphone, and then you've paid paid your copay. Good. I see. Okay. Well, before hanging up, be sure to leave me your home phone number. (laughs) Okie doke. In case you have the problems right. Yeah. So what's the issue? What's going on with you, Claude? Well, let me give you a real quick uh, summary first. Please. I'm 73 years old and very good health. Good. Except for lower back pain, which has been getting worse every year for the past 25 years. But that may not even be relevant. About 10 weeks ago, I stepped out of the bathtub and felt a twinge in my right hip. No big deal. Didn't last long. Pain not serious. But that was followed by a much worse painful cramp. Oh on the outside of my right calf. And that pain didn't last long either. But since then, I've had profound weakness in my right calf, ankle, and foot. It's all connected. you got pain in your hip, and you're noticing weakness. Is it real weakness, or is it you're being tender on yourself? You're not, you don't want to put pressure on it. You know, it's a real weakness. For example, back in the early 70s, I rented a room from an elderly widow in East Durham, and I could hear her talk, walking around the house at night, and it was step, slap, step, slap. Yes. Step, as if one foot was just a useless appendage. Well, let's see what the doctor says about this weakness. Yeah, I mean, you know, again, uh, we just talked about making diagnoses without examination. Let me just say that I see lower back problems uh, and weakness and pain in the what they call the hip area and the leg area. The hip can also, for a lot of people, mean the rear end and by the buttock. Yeah. And the thing that worries me when somebody gives symptoms like clods is something called spinal stenosis or neuroforaminal stenosis. And what does that mean? That means that the spinal column is protected by the bones in the spine, and the the discs are like cushions between those bones. Yeah. And so when you get a lot of arthritis in your back and the discs become squishy, the discs can spurt out, and then the bones can get spurs on them. And what happens? You either pinch off your spinal column, or more frequently, you pinch off the nerves coming out of the spinal column that feed the leg. Yeah. So, you know, the kind of symptoms that you're describing – can set off sort of alarm bells in my mind in that I would go see a doctor and talk to him about these symptoms pretty quickly because the weakness could represent the nerves no longer functioning well to give your muscles the signals to contract. And I've seen this a lot. And the pain in the lumbosacral area, that's what we call it, lower back pain, can be very serious. And a lot of people, you know, nagging lower back pain and when you start to have that pain shooting down your leg that's a sign that you might have a pinched nerve that's the you know the familiar term but what we call it and we call it a pinched nerve and it's because that's what's happening is the nerves are being impinged by either a disc that's rupturing and you've heard that term ruptured disc Mm-hmm. Or the, the bones of the spine are getting spurs and jagged pieces that can actually really pinch that bone. My ex-wife, uh, Vicki, if you're listening, hello, she had a disc that suddenly slipped out and was in tremendous pain. And 
uh, she's doing great now. Yeah. And it was a, that was a very simple surgery. Um, you know, I tell you, I would definitely go see your doctor about these symptoms. Does he have to see a specialist no. right away? Go see your regular doctor, okay. your, you know, your primary care specialist, because it's pretty simple. You know, there's some tests they're going to do on you. They're really simple. They'll take little needles and lightly pinprick your skin to see if there's a decrease in that sensation. They'll see how strong your thigh muscles are, your calf muscles are. They'll see what your reflexes are. And it's really important. It could be that there are other issues going on, but even if there are, um, those things are important to get checked out too. Okay. So what you're saying is waiting two or three months to see if it resolves itself I wouldn't not a wait. good idea. I wouldn't wait. He says, don't wait, Claude. Yeah. See that doctor. Yeah, don't. You know, make an appointment. Tell him you're having a low back pain and weakness in your leg. And okay. that'll raise the uh, alarm bells. They'll see you and work you up. I'm not saying you're going to need this, but there's a really good test. It's called the MRI or the Magnetic Resonance Imaging Test. They basically put you in a big magnet turn the magnet on, and make all the water molecules in your body flip around, that emits an electric signal, and they can create an image. It's, it's, it's startling when you first see an MRI. Right. Because it looks like you're, you're just, you've, you've cut off someone's brain, and you're looking into the brain visually. Right. And it's beautiful. And I use the MRI a lot in, in diagnosing lower back pain. Um, because it just tells you is is the bone are the bones squinching? I just like that term squinching sure. yeah. your nerves or your spinal cord because there are things you can do. Sometimes all you need is physical therapy in the right way to get those bones loose. Sometimes you need surgery. So I don't know what your diagnosis is, but I think you need to get it checked out pretty soon. Claude, all thank right. you. Okay, thank you. Have all a great right. day. Bless you. Have yourself a great uh, day. We. Uh, we are on uh, the radio show called Heart Health Radio. This is Dr. Franklin Weefald, a, a cardiologist and internal medicine specialist, which qualifies him for the whole body, top to bottom, which is a good thing. Oh, yeah. Because you can call about any well, of those and things. You know, the other thing is the reason why it's so important to know about the whole body as a cardiologist sure. is everything affects the heart. Now, let me give you an example for Claude. Chronic pain mm-hmm. is a very high risk for a heart attack. Now, why is that? Because when you're in pain, the adrenal glands put out adrenaline. That's what it's called, epinephrine. It is a stress hormone right? because there's constant stress to the body, and that's one of the reactions. Inflammation. We've talked about this on the show. Chronic inflammation from bones that are creaking and, and getting uh, all torn up will eventually lead to inflammation that can cause a heart attack, too. So I'm really, really um, acutely aware of chronic pain, and I try to get it fixed in yeah. one way or another because it's it's a risk for just wearing down your whole body. So everything affects the heart. We were talking about the doctors, in some cases psychiatrists, who want to diagnose by watching somebody on TV. Right. Specifically, either are candidates for president. Or in this case, the president of the United States. Let's listen to a doctor, courtesy of CNN's Aaron Burnett show, Dr. Shiner. Uh, sorry, Dr. <laughs> I think he's David Shiner. Yeah. All right. Let's, let's listen to him talk about the president. 
His inability to say words sometimes worries me tremendously. He is having trouble word finding when he said United States instead of United States. These aren't words, these aren't slips of the tongue. These are words he can't find them. And this is happening over and over again. Comedians joke about it, but it's not a joking matter. I think there is a, a neurological issue that is not being addressed. Now, he does want the president to get a neurological checkup. And that might be on the line of being appropriate. But when he says, I think there's a neurological problem, is that okay? No. This guy's definitely a Democrat. And there's no doubt in my mind because he's Obama's doctor. Yeah. And so everybody needs to understand. We gave Joe Biden a pass on this show, right? Yeah, we We did. We talked about Joe. Yes. I mean, Joe can't remember words. He was stumbling. Yeah. Have you ever have you ever been on national TV in front of 100 million people? I've been on local radio. Right. And lost my train of thought. Right. And so <laughs> what has happened is the politicization of everything. Yeah. And now we're getting to the politicalization of healthcare. And it can have a huge effect. It's everything lumped together. He's crazy. He's a megalomaniac. He has uh, uh, all sorts of problems. They even claim he had a heart attack when he went to the doctor early. Sure. And it must have been chest pain. Where did they come up with that? Right. And so what I'm trying to tell the listeners out there is that you can't believe anyone who has the guts or the idiocy of getting on TV and violating one of the cardinal rules of medicine is that you don't proclaim a diagnosis if you haven't examined the patient. Now, what did I do just with Claude? I said, Claude, what it sounds like is this. It could be this. But what do you really need to go see your doctor and get an examination? And that examination is not only laying uh, the hands on the body. It's speaking with the patient, looking at their facial um, uh, emotional expressions and putting it all together. So when Donald Trump gets on the air, he gets into this mode of being tough, and and it's what got him elected. Yeah. Because all these people said, wow, what a refreshing guy. He says what he thinks. <laughs> he doesn't hold back. And for some, I mean, my gosh, that's proof of mental illness. And well, I can't he's bombastic. they're doing it. Doesn't he get ahead of himself sometimes? Of course. No, what Wouldn't I recommend you? as a politician, if I were a political advisor, yeah. Would I recommend he tone it down a little bit? Of course I would. Amen. And would I recommend that he look ahead right. before he speaks? Yeah. Now, who am I? This guy got elected president of the United States. <laughs> he beat Hillary Clinton. He came from behind and did everything. So who am I to tell him what to do? Uh, there was another – let me give you another example how they twist things. Yeah. When he makes jokes. Okay, so he was talking about Toyota – and some of the other Japanese car companies and their local factories in the U.S. Uh-huh. And he said, wouldn't it be great if the Japanese built cars in the United States? And then two sentences later, yeah. he said, they are doing great things by having jobs in for you American citizens in the U.S. So clearly, right. he was making a hyperbolic joke. But they turned that and twisted that into saying Trump doesn't even know that they build cars, Japanese car companies build cars in the United States. Yeah. 
And so not only is the press twisting everything mm-hmm. and, and making it into their narrative, and that's the key thing now in, in the media, is not truth, yeah. but our narrative. Yeah. And what does that mean? I mean, they have a story to tell, and they're going to twist everything and tell it. So this psychiatrist, I, I guarantee he's a Democrat, he and is. he's taking yeah. the fact that Trump sometimes stumbles for words to mean he's had a stroke. Craziness. The clock is demanding that we take a moment to sip coffee in the studio. And now and, a word from our sponsor. Yes, and, and, and take you know a moment uh, for that. Why don't um, the folks listening pick up the phone and call 919. This is your chance. 919-860-9783. If you agree or disagree, or if you've got a medical question, that's for you. To decide, 919-860-9783 is the number for Heart Health on the Heart Health Radio Network. You're a fraud, you're a fake, and you are lying through your teeth. You're irrelevant, malevolent, and weak. This is Dave Alexander in the fake news headquarters. (laughs) Who would have that? CNN's fake newscast, or from the news, uh, fake news desk, we got a story about opioids and doctors taking away opioids. Is that a fake news story? Well, it's it's fake in the sense that the whole opioid crisis is is essentially being brained on physicians. And why is that? Because nobody wants to take personal responsibility for their actions. Right. So if you're a victim, yeah. if you're an addict, you're a victim. And yeah. who are you a victim of? The doctor who put you on the opioids to begin with. Yeah. So what did they do? They went after the doctors and said, you're overprescribing. Now, were there shady doctors who had pill mills? Of course there were. Yeah. But what happened? In North Carolina, we got a letter from the medical board saying, hey, we're watching you. Okay. We're going to see what you're prescribing and we're going to take action. And what did every doctor do? They said, I don't want to get an investigation by the medical board. You know, even if you're cleared. Sure. You know how much a lawyer costs? And if you go against the medical board without a lawyer, mm. you're in deep, deep trouble. Now, did the medical board intend this to happen? No. What they intended to happen was people get on their toes and watch what they're doing and make sure it's all appropriate. They didn't yeah. intend to get rid of opioid prescribing. Right. And they'll say that. Well, what happened? No doctor wants to get himself investigated. And so they stopped prescribing. Some of them just quit. And the opioid patients came in. They said, I'm no longer prescribing, and I'm not going to give you any today. Right. Well, there's something called opioid withdrawal. And that is a serious problem. If you've been on four opioid pills a day, and suddenly your doctor gives you zero, yeah. What are you going to do? You're going to go into the draw. Number one, you're going to have pain. Yeah. And so this was a, a backlash, and it was a really serious crisis. A spike, a huge spike in suicides. This is for chronic pain. Hydrocodone, oxycodone, oxycodone, hydrocodone. So hydrocodone is Vicodin or Norco. Okay. Oxycodone is Percocet. So that's the big, the big thing, Percocet. Yeah. And so it worked. And there are Dr. Drew's on TV now saying that chronic opioids don't work for pain. Well, what's happening is that we are definitely de-prescribing too quickly. And if you want to get your doses down on a patient, the recommendation from any 
medical professional be to wean them slowly. Mm-hmm. And and so there is a good thing to try to get somebody on the right dose. But what do you do? You, if you're going to write chronic narcotics, you've got to bring them in once a month. You've yeah. got to look at them. You've got to assess if they're over-sedated. Right. You've got to count their pills. And the reason why is if they're really taking them and not selling them, they're going to have the correct pill count. And then what do we do is we screen them for how much is in their urine. You can tell if someone's taking one pill a day and selling three or yeah. taking all four a day. And so if you do this and you adjust and you make sure the ones that are selling them aren't getting them, you're right. going to be okay. But the thing we talked about in the show before, if you take 100 people who have overdosed and died of narcotics, yes. 80 of them are using heroin and fentanyl. About 19 of them are using Percocet, but they're getting it illegally. Only 1% of patients who've overdosed or have overdosed with a legal prescription in their possession. So we can't blame the doctors. We've got to get some personal responsibility for victims, and and they're not just victims. They've got to take personal responsibility. The singer, I, I've forgotten her name, but she's she was a performer on American Idol. She, she now is. says, yeah, I remember I, I watched her, Antonella Barba. She now good, says the, sh- the show is responsible for yeah. her drug use. So what happened? So she just got arrested and thankfully pled guilty. She had 830 grams of fentanyl. And was transporting it for her drug ring. Yeah. Now, that would kill 43,000 people. Wow. Kill 43,000 people. So what does she say? What does her family say? It's not her fault. She got eliminated from American Idol. And the stress was so great that she had to turn to drugs. And not only turn to drugs, but become a drug courier and work for the gangs. So this is what just drives me crazy. What about... Antonella Barba being responsible for her actions. That's a novel idea. I don't think it's going to work in 2019. I guess not. Uh, it's not. Listen, we're going to talk about the plague coming up. Also, heart attacks leading to a higher cancer risk on heart health. Now back to heart health with Dr. Franklin Weefold on AM 680 WPTF. I've always thought this song sounds a little bit like don't don't you oh, I know, don't you want me? Yeah. Da, 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 but da, the other da, thing about da, it is, yeah. it's a rapid heartbeat song. It, it is. gets you excited. <laughs> Caller, uh, telephone number is 919-860-9783. 919-860-9783. I mentioned on this show a couple of weeks ago that my Facebook is filled with ads that are just like this. If I click the right button on my face. Facebook account, I hear this. Farm workers, landscapers, and homeowners who've been exposed to the weed killer roundup may be at risk for non-Hodgkin's lymphoma or other cancers of the blood. If you or a loved one may have been harmed by roundup, call You couldn't understand the the lawyer because I, I changed the sound so that you couldn't figure out what law I don't from. want you to call him. I don't want you to call him. Tell me why. Uh, okay. Juries. Juries are a great thing. You're, mm-hmm. You are judged by your peers, except when the juries don't listen to scientific evidence. Mm-hmm. And what there's no scientific evidence that Roundup has led to a single cancer in the world. This has been studied. This Roundup has been around for decades. Yeah. And Roundup, if you don't know, it is that magic liquid that you spray on a weed and it's 
dead. And actually, mm-hmm. you spray it on anything, it is dead. Now, why is Roundup a good thing? Roundup has helped increase the food production in the United States and in the world by three or four fold just in the last 20 years. Right. How does it do that? Weeds get you. Okay, so if you have a corn plant growing, it is going to compete with weeds for water and fertilizer. So now they make corn that is resistant to Roundup. So what do you do? You spray the Roundup. Yeah. Everything dies except the corn. Yeah. And so a couple of people got non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, and they claimed it had to be the Roundup. It's very similar to the idea that, that people who got the vaccines mm. uh, developed you know, all sorts of different illnesses. Right. And so it's just autism being the big one. It's just craziness. So what happens? There are certain areas of the country where you can go in this town and you can sue the company and you can guarantee that this jury is going to award your victim the money. So they yeah. jury, they cherry pick these juries yeah. and $500 million awards right and left. The very similar thing happened with a drug called Pradaxa and another one called Xarelto. These mm-hmm. are replacements for warfarin. For people who were risk for strokes from various mm-hmm. things such as AFib, any blood thinner or anticoagulant will increase your risk of bleeding. But the interesting thing is these medicines decrease your risk of bleeding, I mean, less than warfarin. Mm-hmm. And you can't sue the makers of warfarin because they're generic. So all these companies gave in because they don't want to go through the expense of thousands of lawsuits from people who had a bleed who were on a drug appropriately right. and on a drug that gave them a less risk of bleed. So if you have non-Hodgkin's lymphoma and if you've used Roundup even once yes. getting rid of weeds, this, this law firm wants you in a class action suit. Now, who's going to get the money in the class action suit? The I law firm. Yeah. Are they going to get about 70% of the money in a class action suit as opposed to 30% in yeah. an individual suit? So Roundup does not cause non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, but Monsanto is going to pay through the nose. Yeah. It's terrible. All right. Lee is on the radio having called 919-860-9783. Hey, Lee, you're on with uh, Dr. Weefold on Heart Health Radio. Hello, Dave. Dr. Weevold. How are you? I got a question, medical question, then I got a comment. Sure. Um, I was hospitalized two years ago with heart failure, and doctors at Duke told me, where I was hospitalized, doctors told me that I have a weak heart. A weak heart. Do you know how many people in this country go around with weak hearts? It's a very big problem. Uh, I imagine what he's trying to tell you is that your heart muscle is not pumping strongly. And um, did he ever tell you you have heart failure? I think he said that. that yeah. yeah, that's what happened. I was hospitalized with, with, with what I was told heart failure. Yeah, congestive heart failure. So this is a number one uh, cause of hospitalization in the United States still. And uh, it is caused, the congestive heart failure is caused by mostly weak hearts that come from heart attacks. Now, the heart attack is when the artery that feeds blood to the heart is clogged by a blood clot. Blood can't flow. The heart muscle dies, and the heart can't pump strongly enough. So the pressure builds inside the heart. That goes backwards into the lung, and you get fluid in your heart. 
in your lungs. And mm-hmm. so it's a very serious problem. Now, the good thing about it is, is that there are new medicines that are coming out that help the heart beat stronger, that help it uh, not retain fluid. And one of them is Entresto. And it is a new drug that's come out. And it is superior to some of the other medicines we've had. And I've seen it How do you work. pronounce that? Entresto, E-N-T-R-E-S-T-O. Now, I'm su- so, okay. Yeah, I'm supposed to know the generic names, but I don't. Um, I okay. grew up in the era where the brand names were what we memorized. I'm not sure you're going to need it, but it's something you might ask your doctor if you would benefit from it. It's very expensive, but because it saves lives, most of the insurance companies, even the Medicare uh, prescription companies, are now paying for it. The biggest problem, yeah, the biggest problem with congestive heart failure is if you don't watch your diet and mainly limit how much salt you take in, and if you don't take your medicines on a regular basis, and your fluid pills, they call them, your water pills, to Mm -hmm. keep the the buildup of of too much fluid in your lungs. Then yeah, you're going to get LASIK. yeah, Lasix, and that's also called furosemide. There are some other ones, bumetanide or bumex, torsemide, and what they do is they they make the kidney not hold on to as much sodium, so that the sodium goes into your urine, which pulls the water out, and it's very effective. One of the problems with Lasix or furosemide is if you don't watch how much you're taking, you can actually get dehydrated from it and go into what we call renal failure. So I see my heart failure patients very frequently. And the reason is I want them to bring their pills in. I want to make sure they're taking the right pills. I want to make sure their blood pressure is good. I want to make sure their kidney function is still strong. Um, Go ahead. Okay, my comment is um, the doctor that was making comments about Trump all you need to know is he was on he 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 was on when he's making the comments uh, CNN, which is the communist news network. <laughs> the communist went, news I network. Went to Joe, I went to Joe Biden's rally six week about six weeks ago at Hillside High School in Durham. Yeah, and he was mispronouncing words constantly. That's right. And there was one word. That I have forgotten now. There's one word he could not pronounce correctly. It might have been disgusting, but it might not have been. I forget. Yeah. I also went to Bernie's uh, rally right beside yeah. Keenan Stadium. Unimpressive. Well, you know, it's funny because politics aside, uh, you the worst president in our modern era for speaking was George W. Bush. Hands down. Right. Hands down, he had a hard time finding the right word. Now, we know that it's been a long time since he was president. He has had no recorded uh, issues with his brain. No one has said, okay, he had a stroke. Right. There's been nothing. Well, but Reagan did it all the time, too. Sure. And he developed Alzheimer's. He did. Later in life. He did. Remember the word strategery? Strategery. I use it all the time now. I think it's a great word. I don't think he ever said that. He I did, think actually. it was the. I think that was the comedians, and then he picked up on it. Yeah, but the, the bottom line is, when you're under pressure to say something to a yeah. national audience, your, your brain puts a, a, a kind of a break on your natural stream of consciousness. And it can be a terrible thing. Uh, and you can sound like, just like I do sometimes, <laughs> your brain ain't working remember, right. 
Remember, Communist News Network. Yeah. The other, the other, Thank the, you, Lee. The, the, Lee, I'll tell you. The other thing, I don't know if you remember when CNN first came out. It was on a shoestring budget. Yeah. And Ted Turner started it out of his Atlanta um, station. And I'll never forget the the Democratic convention. They set up a couple of chairs in the bleachers. Yeah. And had some uh, curtains. And so one of the CBS commentators looked up and said, CNN, the chicken noodle network. <laughs> <laughs> I like Communist News Network better. All right. Thank you, Lee. We got Sid on the line. Hey, Sid. You want to join in on Heart Health Radio? Uh, yes. Yes, go ahead. You're already on the radio. Uh, okay. All right. I was, I'm driving in traffic. I was. Be watching. careful. Be careful. <laughs> I will. I will. It's, it's raining. Um, I've I've had uh, quite a bit of surgeries. Uh, both knees replaced, right shoulder replaced. Uh, had carpal tunnel in my right hand. Um, had a back fusion, had a little bit of everything. Um, recently, my right point finger just went numb. It's been about a month and a half now, I guess. And it's just gone totally numb. Yeah. Just the fingertip on the point finger. And it's not carpal tunnel. That's the hand that I had the surgery on. It's a totally different type of numbness. Sid, are you diabetic? I am pre-diabetic, but I've okay. already been checked for that, and it, uh, it, my family doctor does not seem to think it's diabetes. All right. He think it's the shoulder surgery. Um, it, it, he thinks it's more a, a neck a neck problem, but I so far I haven't had any problems with my neck. Yeah. So so I, I was just I was wondering about what, what do you think, and what can I do to get that numbness to go away is there any exercise sure. any when you say it's numb it's not actually painful it just feels like sometimes there's a buzzing in there or it's maybe not sensing uh, the things you normally sense when you move your hand is that right it it's not necessarily painful yeah. but it's it's not the same type of numbness that i had when i had carpal sure so why does your doctor think it's your neck just like the previous caller um, the neck bones are there to protect the spinal cord. And all those nerves to your hand and your finger emerge from the spinal cord in the area of your neck, what we call the cervical spine. So you have a nerve problem. And does the nerve problem originate at the finger or does it originate at the shoulder impinging? Because you say you've had some shoulder problems. Or does it occur where the nerve comes out of the neck? Now, you say you don't have neck pain. You can move your neck around. It doesn't crack. You don't have a lot of chronic pain in the neck. Is that right? I, I don't have any pain in my neck, yeah. even when I'm moving around. Yeah. So it's, it, yeah, it's unlikely that it's from there. Let me tell you what I do in these situations. And again, I'm not diagnosing you because I haven't examined you. But when somebody complains of numbness in their fingers, you sort of start from the tip and work backwards. And could it be that you've had injury to the skin there that has burned the nerves? I don't know. Could it be that there's something called ulnar entrapment? I don't know if your elbow hurts or tingles, but the ulnar nerve goes right there by the edge of the elbow. That can be damaged. And yeah. So here's what can here's what you can do. Yeah, here's Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. I can't so, hear him now. now Sid, Sid, I'm going to put you on hold, which takes you off the air, but hopefully you can hear us. 
Or you can hear over your radio. Go yeah. ahead. So, so what tests can be done, there's something called a nerve conduction study or an electromyography, NCV, EMG. It'll tell the neurologist what the source of the nerve injury is. So you might want to discuss that with your physician. All right. Thank you, Sid, for calling. Telephone number 919-860-9783. Um, as George Bush said, George W. Bush said, w. about your health, you should be consistency, consistent, vigilant. You should be vigilant. So take care of your health. And that's... <laughs> Villagent is great. Villagent. Yeah, vigilant, right. vigilant. What's the difference? Get better, stay Strategery. healthy. <laughs> Strategery. Get better, stay healthy, and spot medical misinformation. This is Heart Health Radio. A few more minutes to go. We're going to talk about um, uh, gout drug and heart health, yeah. breastfeeding, and the plague, and surgical instruments. Poorly sterilized. How could that happen? Coming up on Heart Health Radio. Well, you know you make me wanna shout, kick my heels up and shout, throw my hands up and shout, throw my head back and shout. Come on now. The Isley Brothers on Heart Health Radio, where we play the hits. And what? We shout out. Yeah. Wonderful people. Patricia Myrick. She's supposed to be listening today. Patricia is one of my near and dear patients. 15 years ago, she had had an artificial valve put in probably 10 years before that. Yeah. It got infected. Oh, gosh. And you want to know something? I've never seen this before. What? She lived, even though the aorta, which is the root of the, the big vessel coming off the heart, where mm-hmm. the aortic valve is, mm-hmm. was about to be eaten away and fall off. Oh, my gosh. And nobody wanted to operate on her because nobody wants to have a death in the operating room. Yeah. Duke University Medical Center, my buddies where I trained, they've got, you know, cojones, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And they fixed it. And they put in a human cadaver valve. Yeah. Because those are easy to sterilize with antibiotics. Right. She's doing great. Excellent. And I see her. She's had, you know, medical problems since then. But the reason why I'm shouting her out mm-hmm. is her attitude. Sweetest <laughs> thing in the world. Good. And, you know, it's not why me. Why yeah. do these things happen to you? You know what it is? You know, answer the question. Why not you? Because the rain falls on the just and the unjust and things happen. But it's your attitude, how you take the trials and tribulations, the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune. Mm-hmm. And she's winning. Excellent. You're listening to Dr. Franklin Weefall, the cardiologist and internal medicine specialist with Millennia Cardiovascular. I'm Dave Alexander, and we're welcoming Sarah to Heart Health Radio. Hi, Sarah. Thanks for waiting. Hi, Sarah. Sarah, if your radio is in your room, turn it right down and listen on the phone. Hi, Sarah. Okay. Can't hear her. I'm sorry. And I'm putting Sarah on hold, but I think it's a lost cause at this point. We'll check back with her in a minute. Tammy, thanks for calling. How are you? I'm great. I hope you guys are doing well. We are. We're Hi, having Tam. a fun time here. Absolutely love your show. Thank you. Dr. Weefall, you are an awesome doctor. Love you to pieces. Appreciate it. But let, don't so forget for don't forget do. Dave Alexander. He he makes the show. <laughs> he really does. Yes, he does. Um, I'll tell you quickly what I've just recently been through. Um, 15 months ago, I had one heart stent. Okay. Everything went well. And uh, about a month ago, I started having a shortness of breath, but only with activity. 
you know, if I'm out working in the yard or something like that, I find myself just having to stop and just focus on breathing. Mm-hmm. So I just went to the cath lab. Uh, the catheterization came back with no new blockages. Great. I had a, a, a echogram checking the valves and the heart and the flow and all. That come back great. So the only thing that has been done is uh, he changed my blood pressure from lisinopril, to uh, which was twenty milligram, to uh, vorspartan. Losartan. Uh, yes, yeah, one hundred sixty milligram. Uh huh. So, are you feeling what am better? I supposed to do next for this shortness of breath with activity. This is a very interesting issue, and I see this all the time. Let me ask you a question. Before you had your catheterization, did you have a stress test? Uh, no, since I had had a, a right. nuclear test just a few months prior to that. Oh, and how did so that the, turn out? Yeah, that turned out great. Okay. So that's well, why we went straight to the yeah. cath lab. So some things that I would need to know, and they always do this, and they probably wouldn't tell you, is the pressure, the blood pressure inside your heart. Because what can happen after you've had some heart problems is that pressure can go up. Mm-hmm. It's a term called diastolic dysfunction. That means the relaxation of the heart is weak. And that may be the reason why he switched you. I don't know. Losartan is what we call an angiotensin receptor blocker. And it tends to not only lower your blood pressure, but make your heart relax more. There is something, especially in women who've had heart trouble, it's called small vessel or microvascular disease. And that's where the tiny arteries at the edge of the heart, not the big blood vessels, get blocked. And that is something that's overlooked a lot. And there are medicines that can help that. This is why I asked you if you've had a stress test before. Because I've seen people who have a positive stress test, but a negative cath. And I call that a false negative heart catheterization. It means they don't have artery blockages in the big vessels. They've got them in the tiny microscopic vessel. So, I think your your doctor is, is working on you. This is a case where I can't really give you advice because all, um, all the puzzle pieces aren't there for me to put things together. But it sounds like they're on the right track. One question. Did you ever smoke? Never. Yeah. Did you ever work in a factory or someplace that was really dusty? No. Okay. Well, the lungs can be an issue, too. And you can have lung things going on. So... Shortness of breath with exertion, had a history of a stent, think about the heart not relaxing well and the pressures inside the heart being high, and think about the smaller arteries being blocked, and there are many medicines for that. I'm sure your doctor is good, is going to look into this. It's a common problem. You're not alone. So let's see how you do. Call us back uh, and let us know how you're feeling and what the doctor has done to try to make you better. I will do that, and thank you so much. And, hey, listen, he's on the right track. You just have faith. He'll get you better, or she'll get you better. Thank you, Tammy. Thank you. All right, bye. Carol is in the waiting room. We're never going to get to the topics that we said that we were going to talk well, about. Well, we'll do them next week. Do them next week. Carol, bless you. Thank you for waiting. How can we help you? Um, yes, I hope you can. It's a little bit of a mystery. Okay. I have a bump. It's not really a bump, but it's a, spa- a place on my head that when I touch it, there's a very sharp pain. And it feels like it's between my scalp and my skull. I've been to doctor, I've been to a doctor, and I've been to, um, and I've also been to the, I had a CAT scan, and they don't see anything in my brain, but the whole left side of my head hurts, and nobody can figure out what that might be. 
The you mis- have a, a mysterious some, head bump. You have a spot on your brain. Yeah. If you push it, it the hurts scalp, a the lot. Scalp, yeah, the scalp. Yes. Okay. All right. So th- yes, I do. You want to know how common this is and how often I see this? It's a lot. And you know what? I, I, it, you can actually, is it a hard lump or a soft lump? It's, it's barely a lump at all. It's just mm-hmm. a part of my scalp that if I touch it, I come off the chair. And if, and if I'm just sitting here, I don't really feel it. But if I touch it, it hurts for like an hour. Yeah. Uh, it's a mystery. Um, one of the things that it could be is a bundle of nerve cells in the scalp. The scalp is really sensitive. And the other thing it can be, the scalp has also got a lot of blood vessels. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's why a scalp injury or a facial injury, it's so dramatic. Because, yeah. you know, that blood's rushing down your face. Mm-hmm. You've had a CAT scan. I, you don't have cancer. That's the most important thing. The next step, and I hate to say it, might be a biopsy. And where they take a little chunk of that scalp skin off and take a look at it and see if it's inflamed. Um, have you had a course of antibiotics just as a see, a look, see if it goes away? Yeah, I've, I'm... I'm on antibiotics just for something else. That's the nose surgery. So it's not helping. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, they did suggest an MRI if it doesn't get better, but um, don't know what that's just. Nobody seems to know. What well, I'm not saying. sure either. So let us know what your doctors say. Yeah, Thank you for listening well, to. Thank you, Carol. I'm so sorry. We've run out of time. This is Heart Health on the Heart Health Radio Network. The proceeding was meant for information purposes only. Before taking any action on what was just discussed, consult your medical doctor.